everyone. Welcome to Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm so glad you joined me today. My name is Angie Miller, and I'm the host of Strong Mind, Strong Body. And today, it's you and me. We are here to talk about why people manipulate. I just want to sit with you for a minute, start to talk about the motives behind manipulation, and then how do we navigate it when we notice or feel like we are being manipulated. Here's the deal. Some people are amazing communicators. They're open, they're honest, they tell you what's on their mind in a non-confrontational way. They're transparent, so you don't have to wonder what they're thinking or worry that they might speak poorly behind your back because they're not that person. They're that person that you can count on to come to you with concerns and to express how they feel without being insulting. People who communicate effectively can agree to disagree because they're comfortable with what I like to call a balance of power where every voice matters and there doesn't have to be a winner and a loser. So they're receptive to how you feel because they understand that everyone has their own unique perspective and they're not threatened if you think differently from them. We love those people, don't we? And we'd like to think that we are one of those people because they're emotionally intelligent and they're grounded. So they make you feel safe like a warm blanket because they're consistent. But then there's other people who maybe are not so effective at communication. They're not comfortable with a healthy balance of power. In fact, oftentimes the only way they truly feel comfortable is to have all the power. And if they don't, they may use manipulative tactics so that they can feel like they've got the upper hand. Sometimes it's so overt, it's it's kind of outrageous. And sometimes it's subtle and so subtle that you almost have to wonder, did that really just happen? And then you question your own reality. Needless to say, these types of people tend to drive anxiety, for me anyway, and for many of us. They can make communication very complicated, and they can wreak havoc on what could be healthy relationships with family, with friends, or with coworkers. They make it hard for us to trust because we may want to avoid them. So today, I want to deep dive with you into manipulative behavior. So grab a cup of coffee, grab a snack, and let's sit down together and think about this. Maybe, though, we should take a pause here because I have a question for you. Have you ever manipulated another person in an argument when maybe you don't want to accept responsibility for something? Um, or have you ever manipulated another person to get what you want? I know that none of us want to think of ourselves as manipulative people, and I do believe that most of us are not, but I do also believe that we have all manipulated or been manipulative, whether we knew it or whether we didn't, whether it was out of malice or whether it wasn't, and whether or not we meant to cause harm. Because the thing is, we're human, and we don't always go about things in a healthy way. Again, maybe we're not malicious. Maybe we were just too afraid to be honest in that situation. Or maybe we have this deep-seated fear of upsetting someone. So again, we're human and we're not perfect in our communication. But 
Like energy vampires, I do believe that some people are more commonly manipulative. They want what they want. They like a sense of power. They like to feel like they're in control. And often due to their own insecurities, they are easily threatened and they need to have the upper hand. Maybe they lack self-confidence or maybe they, they just never really learned how to communicate well. So I've got a couple of books if you're interested. One is some a book that someone told me about in, in terms of manipulative people, and it's called Who's Pulling Your Strings? How to Break the Cycle of Manipulation and Regain Control in Your Life. I have not personally read that book, but I have read the next one I'm going to tell you. It's called In Sheep's Clothing understanding and dealing with manipulative people by George Simon. He outlined some of the ways that people manipulate like denial or minimization or guilt or rationalization. In a nutshell, I just think that manipulative people have difficulty identifying and expressing their wants and needs in a healthy way. So they do whatever they can to feel like they have power and control in a relationship. So, you know, at the end of the day, healthy relationships, they require vulnerability. And some people are just not comfortable with vulnerability. But in the end, their, their behavior will undermine you, make you feel anxious, and oftentimes make you question your own reality. So in today's episode, I want to talk about what are some common ways they manipulate and what are some strategies that you can employ to kind of save your self-respect in your dignity and safeguard yourself. So I hope that by the end of the episode, you're kind of considering your own communication, what it looks like, when it's healthy, when it's not, so that you won't just understand why people manipulate. But again, you'll be able to safeguard your self-respect so that you can manage these situations when they come up. So here's my first common way that people manipulate. And I think that this is a tough one. And I think we've all experienced it. And this can really gut you. This one is stonewalling, aka silent treatment. So what does it look like? Stonewalling is when someone intentionally avoids or refuses to engage in communication or discussion. They shut down emotionally and they create a barrier in the relationship. When someone stonewalls you, you might notice it in a few different ways. It might be that they're giving you the silent treatment, you know, where they just physically, um, you know, they, they're just unresponsive. They don't respond to your calls, to your texts. They just, boom, you don't exist anymore. They've cut you off. Could be avoidance. Maybe they physically avoid you in situations where there might otherwise be communication. Maybe it's limited eye contact, like they walk by you in the hallway and they do that avoidance thing where they don't even make eye contact. So it's almost like you're not there or they're disinterested in you, almost making you feel like you're you're literally not there, like they become, you've become invisible to them. Maybe they give you uh, one word responses, right? They're, uh, they lack emotional depth in their responses. So it's like, yes, no. I don't know, where the conversation's not two-way. It's like you're held captive to their manipulation. They're thinking, I'm going to control the narrative here <clears throat> because I'm going to make it impossible for you to hold a healthy conversation with me. I'm going to give you these abrupt, quick answers where there's nowhere for the conversation to go. 
Maybe they just refuse to discuss issues with you. So if you attempt to talk about a conflict or a concern, they just won't engage with you. Okay. So those are some examples of stonewalling. It can be so, so detrimental to relationships because basically it hijacks any effort at communication and problem solving. It can make you feel like you don't exist. And that's a horrible feeling for human beings. It can cause depression. It's like a brick wall. It's like you just keep throwing yourself against a brick wall, but you're stuck because you're never going to be able to penetrate. Here's the thing with stonewalling. I think it's okay to ask for a timeout, to get some emotional space and some clarity on how you feel, or maybe to consider like something hurtful that someone said or did, but completely ignoring a person is cruel. I think what about just saying, hey, I need to take a timeout. I need X amount of time. I need a week or I need a day or I need to sit with this situation for a minute instead of just being dismissive of them, because as human beings, that's very difficult. So Another way that people, you know, manipulate besides stonewalling is guilt tripping. <laughs> Some people are so good at this. So guilt trippers, they might express this exaggerated disappointment or sadness, always making you feel like you have let them down. You have not lived up to their expectations they're often good at portraying themselves as the victim. They're going to emphasize how you hurt them or you wrong them. They might use phrases like, if you really cared about me, you would dot, dot, dot. So that you feel this sense of guilt or obligation. Or they might bring up past favors, like reminding you of sacrifices that they've made for you so that you have this sense of like you, you are indebted to them. Or, you know, again, you feel guilty because you're not living up to their expectations. Maybe they use conditional versus unconditional love, implying that you need to fight for their love or approval because they could easily reject you. So if you want their love or approval, you've got to constantly show up and get past all these barriers of them making you feel like you're just not living up to their expectations. And often they'll move the needle on that one too. It's like, well, if you come see me once a year, then you know, you're going to be in my good graces and I'm going to put you in my will. And then you come see them once a year. And the next thing you know, you need to see them two times a year or three times a year. So they're always moving the goalpost a little bit further away. They might use absolutes, which I think is just manipulative language, like you always do this or you never do this. They're just kind of generalizing everything you do or don't do so that you feel like you're at fault. Basically, they're creating a sense of obligation, right? Um, after all I've done for you or all I've given you. So just, you know, with the guilt trippers, with all forms of manipulation, it's really important to set healthy boundaries. And I'm going to talk about that once we go through kind of the different ways that people manipulate. So again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. And we are talking about ways people manipulate. So here's one for you. Gaslighting. We hear about it all the time. 
I mentioned it in my energy vampires, um, my energy vampires podcast. And we hear about it, you know, it's, I think it's an old film from like the fifties where they first, there was a situation with a couple and it really portrayed gaslighting. And now it's all over the media and it's all over social media, but gaslighting is real. It's kind of this form of psychological manipulation. And it just really makes you doubt your own sense of reality. You just start to think that you're crazy because it's crazy making. When someone's gaslighting you, one of the ways that they do it is they completely deny reality. And I know that seems maddening, and it is maddening. They deny that events or occurrences happen that you clearly remember happening. So you start to question your own memory or they make contradictory statements. So they might provide like this inconsistent information. So they change their stance on a situation causing you confusion. So, you know, it may be that they tell you, um, you know, I don't know, something simple. They they love to go out to dinner and then you invite them out to dinner and they're like, oh no, I, I don't like going out to dinner lately. I just, I find that it's just not a good experience. I like to save money. And you're like, gosh, you know, I thought you said you liked going out to dinner. I'm trying to please you. But they make it really difficult to please them. Gaslighters are famous blame shifters. Did you know they're never responsible? right? They are always great at pivoting. And then all of a sudden, when you know that you have a reason to be upset, somehow the next thing you know, you're playing defense and you are finding yourself defending yourself, even though they clearly did something wrong, right? They blame shift, making you feel responsible. So a gaslighter will be like, they're supposed to get home at 11 and they get home at one in the morning. And you're like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you two hours late and you never called me? And the next thing you know, they're they're saying things like, oh my gosh, you're always so upset. You just can't be pleased. And, you know, I can't ever do anything right by you. And the next thing you know, you're feeling defensive and feeling like you have these unhealthy expectations because geez, maybe you shouldn't be upset that they were two hours late because suddenly they're telling you that you're angry or you have an anger problem. So gaslighters will also trivialize how you feel. So your emotions and your concerns are downplayed or dismissed. So it makes you feel like your reactions are out of context. So again, how dare you get upset that they were two hours late? Because, I mean, seriously, last week, you forgot to close the garage door. I mean, it's it's just kind of, like I said, kind of crazy making. They also do what's called projection. They attribute their negative traits onto you, deflecting accountability and making you question your character. So if you notice them blatantly lying and you call them out, the next thing you know, they're saying something like, oh, please, you're the ultimate liar. I remember when you told me when you were five and you stole that sucker and you never told your mom or some crazy scenario where you're like, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a person who lies. Gaslighters are typical withholders of information. They'll typically kind of withhold information that you need to know or details that you, you need to know so that they can manipulate your perception of events. 
Basically, gaslighters just like to create emotional confusion so that you just don't trust your own judgment and you start feeling like you're not the confident person that you once thought that you were. You know, when you're dealing with a gaslighter, I would just really encourage you to trust your instincts and to journal, write out the situation so that you're like, okay, I'm not crazy. This really is happening. And maybe you share that with a friend or a therapist or a coach so that you can get some clarity and you've got some outside perspective where they're like, nah, you're not crazy. This is really happening. So Here's another way that people commonly manipulate, okay? I call it passive aggression. They're just very passive aggressive in their behavior to you. So maybe it's indirect forms of hostility. So it could look like sarcasm, right? They use sarcasm to convey criticism or frustration indirectly. Um, you know, sarcastic people, they say things and then you, you, you look at them like, ouch. And they're like, oh, please, I was just kidding. It's like, uh, sarcasm kind of hurts, right? It's, it's, it's kind of veiled hostility. Um, they also veil insults. So rather than expressing how they feel openly, they might make these backhanded comments. It's like a, it's like a, a compliment with a hidden in, insinuation behind it. Um, sometimes also, I think that those who are passive aggressive will feign that they're helpless. They pretend to be incapable or helpless so that they don't have to take on responsibility. So it's like this, you know, it can be very simple in, in a, in a relationship. It could be like, um, Hey, did you remember to, um, you know, do the dishes. And they're like, oh, you know, I don't know how to start the dishwasher. Um, I know that's a silly one, but it's kind of this feigned helplessness where you're like, oh, forget it. It's going to take me 20 minutes to explain. I might as well do it myself. And the next thing you know, you're saying that about everything. Um, also, I think that those who are passive aggressive, um, they are, they're likely to gossip, right? They spread negative information about someone indirectly rather than going right to the person and the source of the problem. Okay. So passive aggressive behavior can just be such a toxic environment and create such a strain on relationships. I think it's just really important to recognize when someone's being passive aggressive so that you don't kind of take the bait, right? You're not like a fish on a hook. Um, so, and again, I'm going to talk about some ways that I think it's important to set boundaries when you're dealing with manipulative people. But I want to get to another way that people often manipulate, and that is something called triangulation. My guess is, is if you've done any therapy at all, or you follow social media people, you've probably heard about triangulation. It's this manipulative tactic where someone involves a third party to control or manipulate a relationship. So maybe they use triangulation by creating competition. So like a coworker compares you to another coworker so that they can kind of like get this competition, this secret competition going between you and the other coworker, or maybe create this situation of potential jealousy. Um, 
I think that in triangulation, you can pit people against other people. So maybe they spread gossip about somebody aiming to create, you know, for you, they talk poorly about your coworkers so that you have a negative opinion of them before you even really get to know them. Sometimes in triangulation, people will play the mediator. So like they position themselves as the innocent one, the one who can just calm all the woes. And so they come between you and another person and kind of did the he said, she said, like they're trying to help, but really they're trying to control the flow of information and the perceptions. Um, sometimes they just create confusion. So they give conflicting information to different people to manipulate everyone's perceptions. So again, triangulation is just that situation where I'll give you an example. Let's say that Jack and Emma are in a relationship and Jack is upset with Emma, but he doesn't directly communicate his feelings. Instead, he goes to their mutual friend, Sarah, and he says, I don't understand Emma. She's always so busy. She never has time for me anymore. And he's hoping that Sarah's going to sympathize with him and maybe mention it to Emma. So he's using triangulation by getting Sarah involved to basically be the bad guy or the middleman to, to tell Emma that he's dissatisfied. But not only is it an indirect form of communication, it's also destructive because it can create misunderstanding intentions. If somebody's not open and honest and they're going to someone else to tell me how they feel, automatically my trust is, is breached. I'm thinking, well, what else are they talking about and why isn't he coming directly to me? Because I only trust people who come directly to me. I don't trust them if they go to someone else to tell me how they feel. So recognize when it's happening, <clears throat> pull yourself out of the triangle, triangle <laughs> and go directly to the source and just be like, hey, I don't think we need to involve a third person when we're having concerns. I would like for us to have healthy communication. So another way that people manipulate is just being overtly critical. And this happens and you've seen it in relationships. You've seen couples, you've seen somebody in a relationship where their partner is just overtly critical and it, it makes you super uncomfortable, but basically they do it to undermine the confidence of the other person and to create this dependency. So some of the ways that people are overtly critical is they undermine someone's self-esteem by pointing out their flaws or criticizing them. And the way that they really love to do this is in public, to criticize them in front of other people or to embarrass them or to say a joke at the other person's expense. So it's kind of like then the person who's having this done to them gets gun shy. They don't want to go out in public with the overtly critical person anymore because they're afraid that humor is always going to come at their expense and it's going to make them feel humiliated and small. And it's, it's just, you know, I, there's a saying that's like the wrong person carries the shame. If you're around an overtly critical person, it's not your shame, it's theirs, but you tend to feel ashamed at their expense. So they also overtly critical people can make you question your competence. They can challenge your competence by kind of creating this doubt or making you feel insecure. Like you show them a work that, you know, a paper that you just wrote and they're like, um, oh, are you finished with that? And you're like, yeah, I, I, I am there. Mm, okay. 
And then you're likely to say something like, well, what do you mean? What's wrong with it? Oh, nothing. It's fine. It's fine. And, you know, it's passive aggressive, but it's kind of overt and being like, okay, they're just, they don't like what I wrote. Next thing you know, you're spinning and you're going back and redoing the whole thing. But basically, overtly critical people tend to want to create a, de a dependency in a relationship. They want to undermine your decision-making skills and make you question your own judgment so that you rely on them for guidance. So it ends up being this very dependent relationship that's just not healthy. So let's talk about, you know, I kind of went through some of the, gosh, guys, there's so many though. I could never, ever go through all the different ways that people manipulate. I kind of targeted some of the ones that I see the most as a therapist and as a coach. But the first one that I talked about was stonewalling or silent treatment. I talked about guilt tripping. I talked about gaslighting. And I also went through what it's like when someone's passive aggressive and when someone triangulates or there's triangulation and relationships. And then finally, not, not, last but not least, overtly critical behavior. So let's say that you notice you're being manipulated and maybe it's a coworker, it's a friend, it's a sibling, it's a partner. I think boundaries are key. And we all hear about boundaries all the time. And I've done full episodes on boundaries. So this can't be covered in like a nutshell, but I'm going to go ahead and go there for a minute and then just know that you have resources. But boundaries could just be you communicating directly with the source, no matter how uncomfortable it is. And often what I tell people in order to do that is write out what you're going to say so that you don't get hijacked. And actually in those situations, I've actually said, I want to read you something and I'd like it if you don't interrupt me because that way I have clarity of thought and I'm concise in what I want to say and they don't get to interrupt me and be like, but, but, and then the next thing you know, I never get my, my, um, my feelings out in a healthy, direct way. So another way is just understand when, when manipulation is normal and when it's not. So when you're thinking about boundaries, we've all been known to make passive aggressive comments or manipulative comments, even if, even if we don't mean to, you know, we're frustrated in the moment, but it's when it's truly like abusive or problematic that we really need to either get out of the relationship or set very, very healthy boundaries. I also think that when it comes to boundaries, getting insight from helpful people can be really, really important. Whether it is, you know, you talk to a friend, you talk to a partner, you talk to a family member, or you talk to someone that you pay to help you with your difficulties. A few other things when it comes to manipulators is number one, know your weaknesses. Because manipulators are really, really skilled at reading people. They are the people who can walk into a room and spot somebody who has a weakness or who is vulnerable or going through a different difficult situation. So if you're a person who's just a people pleaser or you tend to excuse other people's poor behavior, or maybe for some reason you're just going through a rough patch and your self-esteem has taken a really big hit, you are more likely to draw on the the manipulator the, the manipulator's um, need to control somebody, right? So just be sure that you know your weaknesses, so that you have a good understanding of where people might come in and where they might take advantage of you. 
So I'm so glad that you joined me today for this episode of why people manipulate. I think that when we work with clients and we are people who are serving other people, it's important to understand dynamics of communication, but to also understand our own personal limitations. Not so that we're always calling people out, but so that we have healthy boundaries and we know where and when to set them. So again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I truly appreciate you joining in and I look forward to hearing from you and hearing your feedback. I'll see you next week. 